which players are the dark horses to make the Red Sox opening day roster? You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Nizuski, and here, as always, with my co-host, Nessa's Lauren Willand. And starting to look more into what the Red Sox opening day roster will look like at the end of March. Obviously, we're all into the overanalyzing of each and every single game, each and every single hit or pitch that's happening right now in the Red Sox spring training games. But one thing that I really noticed last year was Cutter Crawford found a way to sneak right into the Red Sox 26-man roster. And that's just brought up in my head. Who could do the same this year? Yeah, there's a lot of good options. And, you know, Alex Cora, as he said, he's taking the 26 best players. So besides, you know, the Raphael Devers, the Alex Verdugos, Kike Hernandez, you wonder, looking at the roster, who could, who could slide in there? Who could maybe knock someone out? And this is going beyond, you know, the Jaron Durants, the Bobby Delbecks, and looking more toward, you know, the Brandon Walters, maybe even the Cutter Crawfords. So it's it's an exciting time for baseball. And like you said, we love overanalyzing things. We still have a month to go before opening day hits, which is crazy. Like we're we're in March now, so so it's the end of this month. We'll be watching regular season baseball, and this roster may look a lot different than people are projecting right now. But that's the fun part of this this offseason or spring training because now we get lineup projections we're getting roster predictions and kind of who who will be like the x factor of this team it's it's just such a fun time and you know it's it's nice to see warm weather on the tv because it's snowing right now and it's cold and i'm like (laughs) baseball just brings me like life like it just makes me think spring is here so let's get these let's get these dark horses underway because it's it's a fun time in baseball I agree. The hot weather's been nice to see down in Florida. I'm excited to go down to Fort Myers in in a day or so. But it was a little bit funny too to see Jared Garabas, you know, sort of joking with Tom Karen on the Nessa broadcast. I don't know how you stand down here in this heat. He's like, I'm I'm sweating, you know, a ton. And you know, TC obviously joked about the bucket hat and everything like that. But you know, one thing that I saw uh, going into today is Ian Brown actually spoke about this in a recent MLB.com article. You know, each each sort of writer for MLB looked at a dark horse for their specific team. And Brown ended up pointing out infielder and outfielder David Hamilton, who most may know him from the trade coming over from the Brewers, uh, which sent Hunter Renfro over to Milwaukee. And Hamilton stole 70 bases last year, and he's most well-known for the speed that he was able to showcase last season, ultimately ended up breaking the franchise record uh, for the Portland Sea Dogs in terms of bags swiped and also led to minor leagues last season. But Brown sort of looked at Hamilton as an option to make the major the major league roster due to Mondesi missing, you know, the first part of the season. Yeah, he's this is an interesting one because you know, we we knew Mondesi may not be ready for opening day. We knew that the Red Sox got him for depth and now he may not be ready cuz the, you know, the ACL tear and trying to recover from that, but David Hamilton makes a lot of sense and I think he almost makes too much sense to make this roster because he's you mentioned all the accolades from last year and you mentioned what he can bring this team. And 
we've said this about a lot of people, but this could be a big spring training for him to show, hey, I'm capable of making this major league roster. I'm capable of contributing to this team. And also, hey, I'm going to be one of those those trade pieces that actually works out and makes this trade look a little bit better in, in the eyes of Red Sox fans. No, oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, an, another thing that uh, Brown also brought up was that Hamilton, with, with the bigger bases, could be more of a commodity for the Red Sox. And with those bigger bases, could have the ability to steal even more bags at the major league level. But the one thing that, you know, I think about is, uh, you know, how much in, in realistic this is to actually happening and you know you brought up that there's a good chance that you know it might happen but that's why we bring up the dark horse that's that's the ultimate you know word that we're looking at uh throughout this episode but the only reason i say that is because hamilton only played uh, in Portland last season and you know when we look at another player like Manuel Valdez or some of the other options at middle infield they had more experience at AAA you know you could even bring Ryan Fitzgerald into this equation as well but you know the reason I think, you know, Hamilton was mainly looked at, he's on the 40-man roster. Valdez is as well. Now, Fitzy isn't. But, you know, when when you also look at what Hamilton was able to do outside of the stolen bases, was able to do very well offensively, you know, two, 251 batting average, 12 home runs, 42 RBIs, and does also bring that versatility of being able to play infield in the outfield as well. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that was going to be my point. The versatility that he brings to this team, too, is is very crucial, especially in the beginning of this season. You have a lot of players not necessarily playing out of place, but playing in positions maybe they're not used to playing full time, you know, like like Kike Hernandez. But clearly he's going to be fine at shortstop. I don't think there's really much concern there. But even you no know, Christian Arroyo, the second base, that's a big thing right there. Right. You don't really know. Is he going? Is Christian Arroyo going to be able to handle full time duties? I I hope so. I think that he's shown flashes of, you know, being able to be a, a stable second baseman. But you just never know. And even though Hamilton doesn't have you know major league experience, I think coming into a Red Sox team that they have, I mean, they they have tons of experience and there's a lot of newcomers. This might be a great time for him to just mesh with this team and kind of show them what he has. I would love to see him kind of showcase that for for a major league team, obviously the Red Sox. So I would love to see him on this roster. I think he'd be a good fit. I think that you mentioned the bigger bags as well. Maybe he could be a stealing machine like he has been before. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys that really jumps off this depth chart that really is able to use their speed to their advantage like Hamilton is. You know, Bobby Delbeck might be, you know, the fastest guy on this team right now. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, you also brought up – the the Kiki Hernandez, his ability to obviously play a very well shortstop. You know, we saw his, his you know, sports center play uh, a few days ago, sort of Derek Jeter-esque, uh, in my opinion. And so, yeah, he definitely doesn't have an issue playing shortstop. I think, you know, these middle infield options are, are going to be pieces that Alex Cora in the front office look at as, as a possibility to slot in as a depth piece or to, you know, be able to replace Mondesi on the, on the opening day roster. But, you know, the other thing as well is that I think that they got to put into that thought process, which I bet they are, is, you know, the development of the player, you know, you, you don't want to uh, call up a guy like Hamilton or, or another guy like, Fitzgerald or Valdez too quickly when when they might not be fully ready and so um, I, I'm curious to you know hear some of your picks as well on who could be the dark horse yeah I'll, my first one I'll do my more obvious first one before I do my second one um, Jorge Alfaro I we've talked about him a little bit on this show 
He is a catcher, but he does have versatility. He is going to play. He's going to play first base. He can DH. He can kind of. I'm not going to say he can do it all because that's that's not the case. But he can do a lot. And I think with the uncertainty surrounding the catcher position, even though Alex Cora has said that he'd be fine going into the season with with Wong and Reese McGuire, I think that Alfaro kind of provides a friendly competition among this team and some a, a chance to prove himself too. I mean, he is coming in with, I don't want to say with nothing to lose, but with everything to gain. And I think that he could be a, a fun addition to this team. We've seen, you know, his energy. He's got really good energy. He brings, I feel like a really good you know, charisma to this team. So I think he could be a dark horse, whether that's a catcher or whether that's, I don't think it's be first base. I think, you know, first base is pretty situated, but you, maybe he could be, Maybe he's going to be the catcher. Maybe Connor Wong goes to AAA. A lot can happen in this spring training. And yes, he will be at the World Baseball Classic, but there'll be times there to show off that versatility and he can come back to the spring training and maybe kind of translate that right over. Obviously, without the pitch clock and the the other MLB rules, maybe that will be a bit more difficult for him to kind of get into a groove. But I am looking at him as a dark horse to make this roster. Like I said, I think he's just a lot of fun. I think he's brings good vibes to this team and after last year you just can't have enough of that and if he's going to prove that he can be not even an everyday catcher but you know a platoon catcher and call a good game and earn that trust of his pitchers put him on the roster right and you know the the other aspect as well that i was thinking about you know regarding alforo is just the 40-man aspect of it you know he's not on that 40-man roster right now and obviously we've seen a lot of interesting moves from the Red Sox, you know, maneuvering around different players from that 40 man. And, you know, there's some players that most Red Sox fans believe, you know, shouldn't be on that list more than others. But, you know, looking at it right now, uh, the Red Sox have Mondesi as, as an active player. He, he's, he has not been placed on the IL. And so that could be a perfect way to be able to allow Alforo to easily be added to the 40 man roster. But then there's the whole like aspect of it as well is, you know, once you take Mondesi off the IL, then what are you going to do to be able to keep Alfora on the 40 man? So it's, it's just a, a, an interesting thing to think about just that added aspect, but I completely agree with you. He's somebody who we've spoken about with the energy that he's able to bring to the clubhouse. And especially now with more of the focus on sort of the defense and, uh, and also him working with Veritech as well to be able to improve that specific defense and have that be a little bit more of a focus rather than what he's able to do with his specific bat, which we've also seen has flashes of being able to, you know, uh, do damage against major league pitching, but also at the same time struggles being able to get on base consistently, have the plate discipline to draw walks and everything like that. But I think, you know, we, we've spoken about it a ton. I think that the catching position specifically is one that isn't talked about nearly enough it is still one of the biggest question marks going into the Red Sox opening day. Yeah, it is. And I think that it makes, like I said, it makes for kind of a fun, friendly competition because Christian Vasquez has been the catcher for this team for a while. He's kind of been the guy and we always knew what we were going to get from him, right? Like there was never this huge expectation for him to be this dominant offensive catcher, but he knew, you know, he had the trust of his pitchers and even, you know, Kevin Ploiecki, no, he wasn't the greatest out there, but he had the trust. And you look at you know right. someone like Brian Bayo, who has Nathan, Nate Evaldi and Chris Sale have raved about him. So you think that just like the the trust that pitchers have, that catchers have with one another and how it's important to it just give give what you can 
because I mean, you look at this, you think Connor Wong and, and Reese McGuire are going to be the one twos, but or Alfaro can come in and take that two position. He could take that one position. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think Reese McGuire for the most part is a lock. I, I don't want to guarantee that, but you know, ca- catchers are very, very important to this team. I'll go back to Sandy Leone who Rick Porcello loved throwing to Chris sale, loved yeah. throwing to him. So you just, when you have that kind of connection, maybe they get that connection with Alfaro. Maybe they get that connection with Wong or Maguire more than the other two. So it's the catching position is so interesting. Cause I think like, I, this is the first time that this isn't, you know, a Christian Vasquez caught team in a while yeah. that, that Red Sox fans have been used to. So he's definitely one. And then my not so obvious, not that he's obvious, but not my next choice is Audenaire Mosqueda or Mosqueda. He's, he pitched the first spring training game for the Red Sox, I believe it was. And I think he's the, maybe like the dark horse to make this team. He spent last season with double A, double A Portland, get a 430 ERA, 45 relief appearances. He had 76 strikeouts over 58 and two thirds innings. And the athletics, Chad Jennings, friend of our pod, Chad Jennings also pegged him as a dark horse. So he's somebody that I think is really interesting. And I think that fans should keep their eyes on him because I mean, like, like I've said, Alex Cora has made it clear to 26 best guys coming out of spring training. It's, it's that. So if he can make a, an impression, yes, he's spent last year in double a, so that would be a big jump, but he's a lefty. He's been kind of singled out by the Red Sox. And I think he could really help this team and he could be almost like that X factor that has a really big season, that kind of that breakout player, not so much the X factor, but the breakout player and that dark horse. I think every team needs one. So let's go with him. And Jim McCaffrey, who we had on last episode, also mentioned him as a dark horse as well. And she she also, you know, uh, one good point that I like she said is that, you know, even though he's a non-roster, you know, invitee, so, so is John Schreiber. And, you know, Schreiber is a, a great person to point out who, you know, wasn't looked at as one of the top, you know, pitching pitching arms in in the in the system or the guys to watch to make an impact on the major league roster going into last year. But he was ultimately one of the most effective bullpen arms that the Red Sox had down the stretch. And so, you know, I I think you know he he's a he's a great uh, dark horse that, that that you chose. And you know, I I I think you know at times we overanalyze sort of the double A uh, only making up that level and you know we, we have seen Heimblum at times put more emphasis on wanting guys to go through AAA to be able to get developed going into the majors but also it's not out of the realm of possibility we've seen it before to where guys will just get called right up from Portland you know we, we saw it with Andrew Benintendi in the past and we've seen it with so many other prospects in the past so um you know look, he ended up looking good uh in against Northeastern obviously not against right, professional right. players but at the same time he still looked good yeah, that's the thing. Like, yes, Northeastern is a college team, but you still have to get your reps in somewhere. And it's better than him getting lit up for eight runs. And you, you take what you can get. And it'd be fun to see him just kind of you know, come into this Red Sox team, make a name for himself. Hell, even if he goes to Worcester and kind of makes a name for himself there mm-hmm. and just gets himself on Red Sox fans' radar because I don't think many people are really talking about him or kind of – seeing what he's about. He's only 23. So there's plenty of time for him to kind of grow. But I like the idea of, I love like not, I love an underdog story. 
And I love just kind of those yeah. bold predictions where I'm like, this guy's going to make the team. Bold predictions oftentimes don't come true in, in my case because I go very out there. But I think this one is realistic that he could make it. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying it's a possibility that he he could make this team. And it's probably a bigger possibility than 50%. Yeah, completely agree. You know, another guy who, you know, I'm going to talk about my list in our second segment, but, you know, we brought up Fitzy earlier on. You know, he's somebody mm-hmm. who a lot of people thought was going to make the opening day roster last season, ultimately didn't end up happening. But, you know, if he has another strong spring, who knows? You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, as you mentioned, for Fitzy too, I think. It's 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 more than 50% that he could make the opening day roster, at least in my mind. But um, I'm going to speak more about some of my picks uh, who are dark horses in our second segment. And then, you know, later on as well, we're going to speak about uh, and look at some of your picks that you mentioned on Twitter. But before we get into our second segment, I just want to talk to you about FanDuel. So the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance to win at a bigger payout with same game parlay so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, looking at some of my picks that I had for the dark horses to make the opening day roster, sort of how I, my mindset of looking at some of these guys were players who were on the 40-man roster, players who didn't have the name Bobby Dalbeck, Jaron Duran, uh, you know, Zach, Zach Kelly, Caleb Ort, and, you know, sort of people like you mentioned, the underdogs that maybe some people aren't fully thinking about, but these names have been in a lot of Red Sox fans' minds over the last few days with how they performed in spring training, starting off with Manuel Valdez. He's somebody that we've spoken about throughout this offseason as a potential possibility to sneak onto the opening day roster, not only with his ability to play second base, shortstop, and also third, also has the versatility to play outfield, not his strong suit. And I think overall, a lot of people would assess that his defense probably isn't his strong suit, but Alex Cora did give him a lot of praise, which we spoke about uh, earlier this past week, that he can hit. He's somebody who has great place discipline and really showed off uh, his hitting tool last season during 2022 with a batting average of 296, 28 home runs, 107 RBIs with a 918 OPS over his three performances, or excuse me, his performances with three separate teams. But when he came over to the Red Sox in the Christian Vasquez trade, and ended up playing with Worcester, didn't really get off to the best foot, ended up having an average of 237, seven home runs and 30 RBIs, and actually struck out more than he actually got hits, ended up getting 41 total hits over 48 strikeouts. But Valdez is somebody who a lot of fans have been really excited about and also have been clamoring to have him be a potential possibility to slot into that second base position. But I'm very curious if, you know, it's the aspect like we've talked about with a lot of these guys. Are you rushing him to the majors before he's ready? And should he have more time in AAA? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big thing, too, that they need to think about with a lot of these kind of dark horse candidates and people who maybe they need to fill in roles. But Valdez has 
so far impressed in spring. And, and we've talked about you can have the best spring training of your life. If it doesn't translate to regular season games, it does not matter. But we did see some flashes of what he can bring last year, and we've seen a lot of it in spring training. Alex Cora seems to be very impressed by him, which I always think is an optimistic kind of attitude. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to say he, he's going to he sucks. He, but <laughs> he's also not afraid to say he needs to improve right. or that he like he knows what he's looking for when he's looking for people to shape up this this roster. So I'm intrigued to see how the rest of the spring training goes for him. And we've talked about second base. That is a, a question mark. Yes, it's Christian Arroyo's position, but we know that his injury history, his, you know, he's not, he has not been a full-time player. Maybe you get him somebody who can, you know, platoon with him and mm-hmm. get them major league reps. But we've also talked about too, and I'm right there with you. Don't put them in major league baseball if they are not 100% ready or as close to it as possible. We saw it last year, what can happen. Yeah. So if he needs to go to Worcester and get those reps and to be a solid contributor for this team, do it that way. But if he continues to have this kind of spring training, it's going to be hard for Alex Cora to keep him off this roster. Right. And, and you know, you, you brought it up with, with sort of players being forced into roles when they aren't ready. You know, we saw it with Brian Bayo starting off, uh, Josh Winkowski as well, sort of, Obviously, injuries force them to have to fill in. Hopefully, that's not the same as that thing when we're speaking about Mondesi or, you know, a guy like Garrett Whitlock or Brian Bayo if they're not ready for opening day. And so, you know, that's one thing that they're going to have to mull over when trying to make those decisions. But, you know, if if Valdez is looked at as, you know, the best 26 of the overall group, I would love to see what he's able to do in, in, a, in a sample size with Boston. But, you know, at the same time, how much is it really going to help him if you, you know, have him, you know, play, uh, you know, a month or so and then just bring him right back down to Worcester? Who knows? Could help him understand the, the competitiveness of the majors, but also, you know, you want to give him consistent up at bats uh, in AAA to ov- overall, you know, help him develop. But, you know, another player who I think needs a little bit more development in AAA, but you know, really caught a lot of Red Sox fans' attention. Uh, on Sunday was Brandon Walter. You know, he's he's a guy who, you know, we've looked at as, as, you know, one of the top pitching prospects in this Red Sox farm system. Also a friend of the pod as well. But, you know, he's a, he also, you know, spoke about uh, his recovery from his neck strain in an interview that we had with him earlier in the offseason. But that's one aspect to look at is he was limited to only two starts in Worcester. Didn't really go how, you know, we, we would really like to see, you know, especially with how dominant he was in double A overall over his time in triple A in double A pitched 57.2 innings with a 359 ERA 76 strikeouts. And here's the kicker seven walks. You heard that right. Seven. It's, it's pretty crazy. The, the amount of control that Walter has. And it's also, you know, cool to see uh, sort of what, what, how fans are comparing him to, you know, Chris Sale with, with his sort of delivery of, of his sidearm and and also with, you know, how his sweeping pitches look, you know, it with uh, with, you know, maybe some fans hadn't seen him, you know, in double A AA or triple A, but, you know, he's definitely a guy to watch out for. And so he also has the ability to come in as a starter, also has experience within the bullpen. So very curious to see if maybe his limited experience in triple A hinders him from being able to get that call up. Listen, if his slider can look how it did two days ago or three days ago, oh man, that like that <laughs> slider was filthy. And yeah. it was, it looked like he just put in so much work in the offseason. And you mentioned his control. I think his control is just, it's unreal. Like seven walks, he does have a lot of control over his pitches. 
it's just a matter of getting the getting MLB ready, getting the reps, strengthening yourself and getting yourself to that level. But he's I do think I do see him as a dark horse as well. I mean, the bullpen, you look at it, it looks you know, like it has a good thing going. It does look much better than last year. But again, if Brandon Walter is one of these 26 best players, Alex Cora is not going to leave him off the roster. Or maybe he sends him to Worcester and says, uh, player A has a short leash. She'll be up here in May. Or, right. yeah, May. So it, I, I liked what I saw. Again, it's early, but I liked what I saw. And I think first impressions, especially in spring training, are important. And, like, I can't say enough about that slider. If you have not seen it, just go type in Brandon Walter's slider on Twitter. It's He has so much confidence. He's looks, he looked very confident on the mound, too, which I think right. was, was impressive, especially after how last season ended for him. So I'm really excited to see the rest of spring training for him and see kind of what this future holds for him in Boston. And on Sunday when he impressed, only seven pitches struck out two batters. You know, if, if you the need control, any more, it's crazy. yeah, if you need any more of an example of his control, that just says it right there. And, you know, I, I think as well, it, if I were to pick two guys that I would feel comfortable replacing Mondesi and Whitlock with them being sidelined to potentially start opening day, Walter and Valdez are those two guys in my mind, at least right now. But we'll see how, you know, they continue to perform throughout spring training. Another guy who ended up, uh, you know, pitching on Sunday and, and impressed and has been in a lot of people's minds in terms of somebody who, who could make an impact going into this season is Chris Murphy. I remember he was somebody that Alex Cora spoke about last season as a potential dark horse to make the opening day roster. But Murphy struggled a little bit last year between triple uh, a and double a a total of 152 innings with an era of 403 149 strikeouts and 72 walks now it's interesting because he split right down the middle of his time in portland and in worcester pitched in 15 games in portland 15 in worcester and made 13 starts in portland with a 258 era but then you know we really started to see him struggle in triple a with a 550 era so curious to see sort of what similar to what I said with Walter, if, you know, they want to see more time with him in, in triple a, but you know, he looked good so far from what we've seen in spring training. Yeah. I, I think we can say this a lot about our, our dark horse candidates is that so far from what we've seen, they've all looked pretty good. Um, so that's, I mean, again, that's a very good sign. And I think that Chris Murphy, you look at him and he does have a lot of potential and we've talked potential for days on this podcast, but I think, He's still a very good dark horse candidate. I think that he's maybe the least likely of the three or four that we've talked about to make mm -hmm. the roster. But I think, again, much like anyone else, just reps and continuing to build your strength and just kind of figuring out, you know, get control and command of your pitches. And I think he'll be well on his way. But I, I, I think that's a very bold dark horse candidate, but that's what makes these guys fun to talk about. It's what makes them dark horse candidates. So, um, I think that the rest of spring training will be big for him. And I hope that he can kind of find his stride, but I think he begins the season in Worcester. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I think as well from what we saw on Sunday is just a perfect representation of how much pitching depth the Red Sox have and good pitching depth, not only in, in terms of, you know, triple A, but also double A as well. And, oh my God, that rotation in Worcester and also bullpen as well. It, it, 
it could be MLB caliber. And, you know, we even saw it too. Two guys like uh, AJ Politi and Thad Ward. Think about if you right. added those guys and didn't to, to those rosters and didn't end up losing them in the Rule 5 draft. I mean, we could see Thad Ward ultimately, you know, he, he's going to make the Nationals roster, you know, for the most likely, or then, you know, he has to get returned. And then same with AJ Politi as well. But I think that just continues to showcase the depth that the Red Sox have of pitching and, they haven't had that in a while. And, you know, another guy as well that I wanted to bring up who could slot into that a potential bullpen role is Wyatt Mills. The Red Sox ended up trading for him from the Royals earlier this offseason. Uh, last year with the Royals, struggled a little bit with a 460 ERA over 27 games. But, you know, we, we saw him have, you know, a relatively good outing uh, on Saturday. Uh, one walk, two strikeouts. But one thing, you know, I did want to mention with – all three guys of Walter Murphy and Mills. It seems like the Red Sox love sort of this sidearm sort of uh, you know pitching approach, and and you know we've we've seen it obviously. You know Tanner Houck has semi of a of a similar arm angle. Obviously Chris Sale, he, that's what he's most well known for. But you know John Schreiber's another guy as well. Maybe, maybe they're starting to notice that some of these semi sidearm sort of pitchers are the way to go. Yeah, I, a sidearm just scares the crap out of me because I, when I played softball, I was, I was, I mean, I played softball, so I did the windmill pitch. But when I threw, I threw sidearmed, and my coach tried like hell to get me to stop throwing like that. And it, I mean, I didn't play professionally. I played one year in college, so it didn't mess up anything. And my arm was already jacked up by the time I started actually like pitching well. But the sidearm just always, I'm like, I don't know if arms should bend like that. You see the picture sometimes of Chris <laughs> Sale, just like his arm is all, I can't even do it. Like it's, it's all the way back. And to me, I'm like, that just screams Tommy John, Tommy John surgery at some point. But it is a very interesting de- delivery just because it's, it's, it's a sidearm throw. You look at it because when you learn to pitch, you know, you're overhand tossing, you're not kind of sidearming. And it's, it's always been intriguing to me, but it's also always like, oh my God, please don't throw your arm off. Please don't tear your UCL right here. But a very another, an, another very interesting case. I think that he does have a, a possibility, but much like, uh, much like Wyatt Mills, no, not, he is Wyatt Mills, much like Chris Murphy. I think he begins the season in the minors, but I think that he has the chance here to impress Alex Cora and the rest of the Red Sox and to kind of keep, himself on their radar and fans radars as well right and you you know we had some fans semi agree with us but also bring up some other players that we didn't mention and you know i i I brought it up before you know duran some somebody that i I didn't mention since he's already had plenty of opportunities to showcase his skills on the major league roster and wouldn't really consider in my mind as a dark horse but we had uh, New York Patriot. He said Duran. Same with Super Dave. He also said Jaron Duran as well. And one thing that I did want to point out that we haven't spoken about in terms of, of Duran thus far, it, it's been interesting to see his his different stance. And obviously, everybody's overanalyzing spring training, but he's looked all right. Hit a double, hit a home run, you know, in two days ago. So very curious to see how he continues to showcase his offensive ability with this different stance. Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks good through the first couple games here in spring training. And again, it's something that he needs to continue to carry through the rest of spring and into the regular season if he does make this roster. So I definitely think he could be a dark horse, but because he's been, you know, up and down on this roster before. But I think because of how last season ended and his attitude and not hustling for the ball and then getting into it with Kansas City fans, 
So I do think that he's got a ton to prove coming into this offseason. It's nice to see the stance readjustment. It's funny how baseball, sometimes you just need to move your hands up or down the bat. You need to yeah. fix your stance a little bit. But you know, it's all in the mechanics. And if he can get that and get his attitude straightened out, he could be a, a, good, a good addition to this team, a good contributor to this team. We know he has the speed. We don't have to you know, discuss that. We know the speed is there. But now it's just a matter of, is the rest of it there? And so far in spring training, it looks like it has. But is he going to be like Bobby Dahlbeck and be the best spring training player we've ever seen in our lives? Or is he going to be a serviceable MLB player? I think this is the year we finally, we, we might find out that what, what Jaron Duran is. I hope so. Excited to get some of the clarity on that. And yeah. you know, also looking at, you know, another guy that we've already spoken about, but we had uh, we had three separate people agree on this consensus. Uh, we had Sammy James, uh, Moss Chops, and also Moss uh, Chops, my man. It's uh, Jeff Pazin, but with one F. Uh, yep. <laughs> they also David Hamilton. And so they're all in agreement with Ian Brown. Very curious to see Hamilton's another guy. Obviously, we, we spoke about it at the start of the show, but uh, I, I'm, I want to see him, you know, get more of a bats, uh, throughout spring training. He'll definitely have those opportunities as well. You know, obviously like a guy like Dalbeck and Valdez with, you know, players like, uh, Jaron Duran, you know, Kiki Hernandez not right. being in the lineup to the WBC. So curious to see how that ultimately correlates to if some of these dark horses are able to sneak their way on the 26 man roster, but that concludes this debate of, of, of which those players are have the possibility to be able to do that and we're going to continue to look at some of these fun storylines continue to overanalyze the different things that are coming out of spring training five days a week so if you have not yet make sure to subscribe to locked on red Sox on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts we want to thank you so much as always for making locked on red Sox your first listen of every single day now make your second listen and check out locked on fantasy baseball win your league by listening to matt and dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. And I don't know about you. I'm trying to win my fantasy baseball league, so I'm definitely going to be tuning into that. Oh, yeah, they know their stuff. This season. They definitely do. And also make sure to check out some of the other Locked On podcasts as well. You know, not only Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, uh, you know, all the different leagues to be able to stay updated with everything going on with some of your favorite teams. Also, if you want to continue to stay updated with the Red Sox outside of following just this podcast, you can follow the podcast Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. And if you're thinking, how do I get involved in some of you know the, these fan inter, fan responses or Twitter responses? Well, you got to follow us over on Twitter. Something that we like to do before each and every single episode is whether we have a guest or we're talking about a topic like this, we sort of pose the question and we use your responses in the episode to be able to you know, help get other opinions out there within the episode. So make sure to follow us over there. Also follow myself on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy. And also Lauren is la la la. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. What's up, Roxy? And uh, we'll end this episode how we always end it. Keep the faith and let's go socks. Peace. <laughs>